Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. We continue our series called Disciple. What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? What does it mean to follow Jesus in every area of our life? And if you remember last week, this week's message I was going to preach last week, that I usually organize my series and I had prayer last week and I just started being convicted that I couldn't share on prayer last week until I shared on forgiveness last week. And so I shared on forgiveness last week and man, some wonderful things happened. In fact, I've been hearing testimonies. We had a great testimony at men's breakfast about the heart of forgiveness and about the ability. Sometimes it's hard to forgive. I'm, I don't even know what I'm talking about. Sometimes it's hard to forgive. But God can give us the ability to forgive. Some things that we can't do in our own power, in our own strength, guess what? The power of his spirit can help us forgive those hurts that maybe are even from, the, from long ago. And we, until, if we want to move forward in Christ, we have to learn to forgive like Christ. Today we're going to focus on the power of prayer. If we want to be his disciples of Jesus, we must understand the power of prayer. Throughout Jesus' ministry, he would constantly go out into the wilderness. If you read through the Gospels, he would heal, he would do so many miracles, wonderful things, but then all of a sudden he would escape into the wilderness just to spend time in prayer with his heavenly Father. Now, if Jesus, the Son of God, needed to spend time in prayer, how much more do we need to spend time in prayer? Amen? We can't neglect prayer life. And I think it's one of the easiest things as followers of Christ to neglect. Sometimes we can read our Bible, and I'm speaking to myself here. I can study God's Word. I can look through God's Word. I can go, man, this is exciting. And there's times I forget. I need to just to communicate to God directly. I don't have to just communicate through His Word. I can communicate to Jesus via my voice and just speak to Him. Lord, I need your help today. Lord, I'm lost. Sometimes I actually really do get lost. I'm not very good at navigating my car. You know, Lord, I'm lost. I need help. Thank God for the new cell phones that give us directions. But see, that took one more communication away from God. See, I'm going to get rid of my cell phone, so I just have to pray. Lord, help me, guide me, direct me. That's just a word for some of you here today. We have too much dependence on other things than we have dependence upon God. We put too much faith in other things where God wants us to put our faith in him and him alone. Amen? So let's look at what Jesus taught regarding prayer. And the first thought that we should address is the power of prayer. Is there power in prayer? Kind of yes and no. I'm going to kind of say yes and no. Because really, in the prayer itself, there's really no power. It's who we pray to is where the power is. The power is in our Heavenly Father. So our prayers have power because of who Jesus is in our life. And it's important to always remember that it's not the... Because sometimes we can just try to pray and, and you know, the old stating, name it and claim it. And, well, if we... No, we got to remember who we're praying to. It's our Father that ultimately is going to answer our prayer. So prayer is powered by God. 
At times we think our words alone have power, and in some sense they do. I mean, if you just live a life and you're always proclaiming negative words over your life, that's going to have a, an effect on your mental capabilities. It's going to probably lead you more towards mental illness if you're always negative compared to if you're being a positive person. So in certain ways, there's, in a sense, we do have, there is power in words. But, but in reality, and I would say the power of words is the atmosphere, but in reality, there's not a lot of power in words without authority. Words only have power when there's a force and authority behind the words that are spoken. So the power of your words is limited to your authority. I remember, and I've shared this story here before. It's a cute story, true story. Years and years ago when I was in Marysville, Washington, I was the executive pastor there at the church. And we had a preschool and a school going on there. And in our preschool, the teacher there, Miss Kathy, we always called all the teachers Miss, and Miss Kathy was teaching the four-year-old uh, uh, four, four class, and she had the pastor's daughter in her class, and her name was Rebecca. And she came up, Miss Kathy came to me one day, and she shared this funny story, this humorous story. She said, you wouldn't believe what had happened today. Uh, Rebecca got a sliver in her hand. Now, this is the pastor's daughter. She got a sliver in her hand, and she said, I didn't have any tweezers, and, but it was sticking out quite a ways. And so I was getting the pair of scissors, and I was just going to lightly, you know, just rub it across her finger because it, the edge of the scissors would catch that sliver and pull it out. Well, when Rebecca saw Miss Kathy coming to, towards her with that pair of scissors, she looked up at Miss Kathy, Miss Kathy, Yes, Rebecca. You do know who my father is, right? <laughs> See, a little four-year-old understood that her words had power because of her, who, her, who her father is. We as followers of Jesus, as disciples of Jesus, need to understand who our Father is, and because of who our Father is, guess what? Our words have power. Our words have power in Jesus' name. Our prayers or words in the spiritual realm, realm have no power except under the authority of Jesus. It's vital that we understand where our spiritual authority comes from. Listen to the words that Jesus shares to his disciples to help them prepare for his soon departure from this world. And Jesus is really replying to Philip when, when Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And he goes through this whole process and you can come and be with me. And, and, and Philip says, we don't know, or one of the persons says, we don't know where, where you're going. And show me who the Father is. And Jesus replies by saying, don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Even Jesus, I don't speak it on my own authority. My Father's for it. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the work themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. I, just, I, feel, real, I, just, I feel like we just need to stop and pray for a minute. 
okay? Lord Jesus, I pray over me. I pray over everybody here listening. Um, Lord God, sitting in this auditorium right now or watching us online, I pray, God, your word will take effect. It will start to germinate in our lives where that, that seed is planted and it starts to grow. Where, Lord God, we can believe your word, we can put our trust in your word, and, Lord God, we understand, Lord God, that our prayers have power when we understand that they are connected to you. Lord God, help us to understand that today in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Jesus is making a powerful statement to his disciples. And his word, his word that he gives, is a, it applies to us as well. Jesus is giving us his authority. Think about that. Jesus is giving you his authority. Jesus said, ask in my name. Ask in my name. It's like going to a, a secured, guard-gated community. We have many of them around here in Orange County. <clears throat> when we used to live in Las Vegas, we had a good friend. His name was Dr. Dan, and we'd go up to his house once in a while, and he lived in a true guard-gated community. It wasn't one of these flimsy gates that you could run through. His one that actually had iron gates, and there was actually a guard that actually carried a gun, and I mean, they didn't want people in. And when you drove up to the, the gate, you know, they just looked at you. And I had no authority. I mean, it meant nothing. But as soon as I said, hey, I'm a guest of Dr. Dan, and they, they looked at the list, they saw that my name was listed there as a guest of Dr. Dan, all of a sudden, everything changed. They stopped looking down at my Corolla, you know, my Toyota Corolla now, all of a sudden, I had a little bit more of authority before I drove in. Because of what? Because of who I knew. Just because I said the name, Dr. Dan, all of a sudden it changed things. When you say the name of Jesus, when you put your faith in Jesus, when all of a sudden we say, and it's not just this kind of, we just say the name of Jesus. No, no. When you have a relationship with Jesus, and you understand his authority in your life, and you put that claim, guess what? Things start to change. Things start to happen. I share that because some of you need to know that some of you sitting here today think you're a nobody. You have so low self-esteem. You're just discouraged. Not, I'm not talking about everybody. I'm talking about a few of you. Some of you need to understand who you are in Christ. And who you are in Christ makes you somebody. You are no longer a nobody, caught in your sin, dead to your sin. When you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have become somebody. And you need to walk in the confidence, not in yourself. You need to walk in the confidence of who Jesus is in your life. May I remind you, you are somebody. Your sins no longer count against you. You are his ambassador. You are his representative. You are his friend. I love that. I'm a friend of Jesus. I represent Jesus to the world. You are somebody. Paul writes these words in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old, say this with me, the old has passed away. Say it one more time. The old has passed away. Say the next sentence. Behold, the new has come. Do you believe it? Amen. Amen. Oh, come on, this is becoming a Pentecostal church right here. My goodness. <clears throat> 
See, you've been given new authority, and your authority is found in Jesus. In Luke chapter 10, you can read an account when Jesus all of a sudden sends out 72 of his disciples. Some of you never knew that Jesus had 72 disciples. He had 12 that were close, but he had a lot of disciples following him. He sends out 72 disciples to share the good news and to heal the sick. And when the disciples returned to Jesus, they shared to Jesus with joy. They said, even the demons submit to your name. Even the demons, when we walk out there and all of a sudden things start to attack us, Jesus, even the demons must submit to your name. Some of you have demons maybe in your home, and you say, in the name of Jesus, no more. Some of you maybe have, and what I'm saying, understand dark thoughts. When you're mind, you say, Jesus, no more. When we all of a sudden grab a hold of the authority of Jesus Christ in our life, when we say, no, 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 no more. There's a, a lady, and I'm just going to share it, and I'm not going to use a name because I don't want to. But there's a lady who's in our church, and she's battling a sickness. And, and there was something in her from day one when she went into that battle. She did not go into that battle alone. She went in that battle. I could see it. I knew in my heart, I knew immediately, this gal is going to fight because she's not going in alone. She's taking Jesus with her. And it makes all the difference in our lives. We have authority in the name of Jesus. Remember when Peter and John were at the temple? And I've shared this story many times at this church. And they're walking up to the gate called Beautiful at the temple. And there's a beggar man who was begging there. He was a crippled man, crippled, I believe, from birth. And he was begging for money. That was the way he made his living. And when Peter and John walked up to that temple gate, they didn't have any money. And do you remember the words that they say? Silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Man got up and walked. It caused all kinds of problems for Peter and John. I mean, there were all kinds of problems going on at that point. I mean, it turned up the religious world upside down. Who healed you? And they got into questioning and everything else. But through that, Peter preaches a message. I'm going somewhere else. So I shouldn't be going, but that's okay. Peter preaches a message. I think it was 2,000 more people got saved. Because someone had the ability to put their faith in Jesus Christ. Peter called upon the authority of Jesus to release the power of God through his prayer. See, Peter understood that there was no power in himself alone. He had no power. But as a disciple of Jesus, he had access to God's power. And see, we need as disciples, if we're truly going to be his disciples, we need to have greater confidence in God's power. And sometimes we feel, we say, feel good prayers. You know what I'm talking about? We just kind of we need to be more bold in our prayers. Brett shared a testimony on Sunday night. We had a, oh man, we had a lot of stuff. If you guys missed any of this stuff, you should be starting to come. Brett was here playing the keyboards for worship night. And we had a powerful worship night last Sunday night. We're, we had testimony night. Pe- t- testimony after testimony after testimony being shared. Encouragement, encouragement. If you need encouragement, come to worship nights, okay? Because they will encourage you. And, and Brett was sharing that 
he was at youth camp, I think it was last year. Remember when he was playing, Brett had both of his wrists had tendonitis and he had both of those bands on there. And he was literally playing with four fingers. His thumbs weren't working and he was so frustrated. He, had, he even caused him pain to pick up his son, Vinny. He was frustrated and he's at this youth camp playing, still playing with his four fingers or eight fingers, I guess. With his eight fingers, he's playing. And all of a sudden, there's a 12-year-old boy in the seats and he sees Brett and he comes up and he says, and Brett's playing. Because of, what's wrong with your hands? Can I pray for you? And Brett didn't want, yeah, go ahead. And he, he touches Brett's hands. He starts to pray for Brett's hands. Do you feel better yet? No, I don't, honestly, I don't. Okay, let's pray again. And he prays again. He does this five, six times. Finally, Brett's going, you know what? My wrists are feeling better. They're starting to feel better. You see, we need to have the childlike faith of a 12-year-old that says, you know what, my God can do anything. We grow up as adults and all of a sudden we have all these negative things, all these things of the past that maybe something didn't happen that we wanted to happen that way. Who knows that maybe that wasn't God's will. Maybe it had nothing to do with you. It was just outside of God's will. But who are we to limit who God is? There's times in our lives when all of a sudden, when God places in our heart, we need to step out in faith and put our faith in Jesus Christ and go pray for somebody, go love on somebody, go hug somebody. We need to have that childlike faith again. Which brings me to a second truth that Jesus wanted us to understand is that prayer is initiated by faith. You can't pray with unbelief. You must expect that God can answer your prayers. Faith is a key factor in accessing God's God's power. The only time I ever see prayer with unbelief is when the man prayed for us in unbelief. He literally struggled with unbelief and he prayed, help my unbelief. You know, there's times that we just need to be honest in our prayers. And pray. The word of God says without faith it is impossible to please God. In fact, salvation is impossible without faith. Did you know that? That's what it says. Paul writes, for it is by grace you have been saved through, say it with me, through faith. One of the prerequisites of salvation is faith, the faith to believe that Jesus has the power to forgive your sins. Sometimes we struggle with that. I remember there's times that I've struggled with that, where do I have the faith to believe that God truly forgives my sins? He does. Prayer requires a measure of faith. Faith, that, faith in God. Not faith in yourself, not faith in your words, faith in God. Many times we pray courtesy prayers instead of faith prayers. And I'm not saying that to, I, I say courtesy prayers when we go to bed at night or we're sitting down and we're going to eat. And sometimes we just kind of walk through the prayers and we just kind of have a courtesy prayer. And, and, and there's times in our lives where we just need to stop saying the courtesy prayers and we just need to start pray, praying intentional prayers that we believe. Amen. Jesus told his disciples in Matthew chapter 21, 20, verses 21 and 22, I tell you the truth, if you have faith and don't doubt, You can even say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. You can pray for anything, and if you have faith, you will receive it. Some of you, that verse right there bothers you. I think it's there just to bother you. 
I think God just placed it in his word to bother us. How can I say, how can I say a prayer and say to this mountain, be moved and it's going to be, with God all, th- do you remember the God we serve? The one that spoke creation into existence? Who says that he couldn't now, by our words and our faith in him, that he couldn't do miraculous things? Let's not put limitations on our God. Amen. Amen. A necessity for our prayers, it's a necessity for our prayers to be answered is faith. Paul tells us we live by faith and not by sight. Paul also tells us pray without ceasing. Our lives, and I was thinking about this as I was preparing this message, and if you write, if you take a journal, if you do a journal, um, you know, one of the things that if you looked at our life journal, our life journal should be just a list of unending prayers of faith. Just unending prayers of faith. Believing that God can do all things. Things. There's some of you, anybody probably under the age of 40 won't know what I'm talking about, but there was a gentleman that called named Paul Harvey, and uh, he used to share these great stories that he would find. And one of his stories that I remember hearing that uh, he was sharing is about this little three year old boy that was going to the grocery store. And uh, he loved those chip, you know, chocolate chip cookies, chip ahoy. You remember those cookies? And, and uh, he, before they even got in the grocery store, his mom warned the little three-year-old boy, we're not buying any cookies today. We're not. Tommy, we're not buying any cookies today. It's not going to happen. And they get in the grocery store, and she puts them in the cart, and they start wheeling, wheeling down the aisles of the grocery store, and they go down the cookie aisle. He stands up. Mom, can I have some cookies? And she immediately responds to him, I told you we're not buying any cookies today. Don't ask again. They keep going through, and, and his mind is just wheeling, you know. And, and all of a sudden, she has to go back to the cookie aisle. She forgot something. She went back there. She, he saw those cookies again. Mom, can we buy some cookies? Again, the mom replied, son, I told you we're not buying any cookies today. Don't ask again. Now they're coming to the checkout line. The little three-year-old boy is seeing it's his last opportunity. It's kind of like... The woman with the issue of blood that just knew she had to touch the hem of his garment. All of a sudden, this little boy knew it was his last opportunity. He stood up, and all of a sudden, wherever he's checking out, he yells out, In the name of Jesus, can I get some chocolate chip cookies? (laughs) And everybody started laughing, just like you guys did. But you know what? That little three-year-old boy, guess what? He left the grocery store with an ample supply of chocolate chip cookies. Sometimes we need to be that persistent, like that three-year-old boy, or like the woman with the issue of blood that I think it was 12 years, she had that, she just had constant bleeding, and she was tired, she spent all of her money on doctors, they made her worse, and then all of a sudden she heard about this man named Jesus. She heard about a man that could heal her sickness that could touch her life and she goes and she gets down and she touched she knew she knew she had faith if I can just touch his hem she touched the hem 
And, she's, and Jesus felt the power being released from him. Who touched me? See, we need to believe in the power of prayer. We need to believe that God can do all things. I don't care if it's not happening today. Guess what? When you get back through that aisle again, keep on asking. And guess what? You don't give up. You don't give up. Just like that three-year-old boy, he didn't give up. We need to have persistency in our prayer. Another important truth to understand as a disciple of Jesus is that prayer advances God's kingdom. Last week we recited the Lord's Prayer and we looked at the line, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. This week I want to remember that second line that's found in the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Say that with me. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Jesus gave us this prayer as an example of how we should pray. And it's important that we grasp this truth that we serve in God's kingdom. It's not our kingdom. I'll say it again. It's not our kingdom. It's God's kingdom. When you surrender your life to Jesus, you are placing your life under his authority. And Jesus is teaching us to pray for God's kingdom to rule here on earth, just as it is in heaven. This might sound simple, but you know how many simple things we miss in life? As disciples of Jesus, we are fighting for God's kingdom. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. The power of prayer is about advancing God's kingdom. It's not about advancing our own kingdom. And God's kingdom is going to advance no matter what. Understand what I'm saying? You're not going to hold back God's kingdom. But you can choose, are you going to be a part of God's kingdom or not a part of God's kingdom? Are you going to be a part of advancing God's kingdom or not being a part of advancing God's kingdom? It's not that God doesn't care about our personal well-being. He does, and that's part of his kingdom. But the greater importance is advancing the kingdom to others, so that others can discover his love, his goodness, his forgiveness. When we lock into advancing God's kingdom, our prayers all of a sudden come in alignment with his will. And there's something powerful when we come in alignment with his will. Jesus refers to the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven 129 times in the Gospels. It was important to Jesus that we understood about the kingdom of heaven. If it's that important to Jesus, then the subject should be important to us. And our prayers must become powerful. They do become powerful when we all of a sudden recognize, I'm not in my own personal kingdom. I'm serving in God's kingdom. Every day we see the misuse of power. Every day. We see it in government. We see it in media. We see it in businesses. We even see it in the church. We see the misuse of power. As disciples of Jesus, we should never try to misuse God's power or authority for our own personal gain. It's about God's kingdom. In Mark chapter 12, Jesus shares a parable about a man who planted a vineyard. And then he moved away. The man is really God. God the Father. He planted a vineyard and he moved away. Before he moved away, he rented the vineyard to some farmers with the understanding that, they would, that he would come back and he would collect some, some of the, the fruit, some of the things that were produced. He would collect 
some of that back for himself. When the vineyard owner sent some of his servants back to collect on the payment for the land, the farmer was the farmers that were leasing the land, or the farmers that were uh, farming the land. Guess what? They beat up the, the the owner's servants and they sent them home. He did this once again. He sent some servants. He continued to send servants over to the to collect on the debt, and they continued to either beat up the servants or kill them. Finally, in Jesus' parable. Jesus is sharing this parable. He finally shares this parable. He says he finally, they sent, the man, they sent um, the man sent his own son. That's talking about Jesus himself. And Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, the religious rulers, who thought the kingdom was about them. And it wasn't about them. God was expanding his kingdom. So the man sent his son. He thought for sure the farmers would respect his son, but they did not. They even killed his son, Jesus. Jesus asked those who were listening, what will the vineyard owner do? He he will come and destroy those farmers and give the land to new farmers. Jesus was telling this parable to the religious people of the day, the Pharisees, who had forgotten that the real story was not about them, but about the kingdom of God. In this story of the tenants, the farmers forgot who the land belonged to. They forgot who the land belonged. Have you forgotten whose kingdom you're a part of? Instead of advancing the owner's vineyard, they were trying to steal it for themselves. They misused the power given for their own, for their own glory and gain. They took what power was given and they were misusing it for their own glory and gain. And they forgot all about God's kingdom. It's one of the reasons why I consistently talk about giving. Oh, here goes Pastor Tom again. Just listen for me for one second, will you? My wife and I, we've been tithing for years. No, I don't say it proudly. I just want to make sure you know, you understand your pastor's not preaching something he doesn't do. And we've been tithing 10% of our income for years. And we give beyond that because we give to missions. We give to, we support children. Why do you do that? I could drive, don't, please don't. I'm not preaching to anybody. So don't, Pastor Thompson, I'm not. Thank you. You can receive it. You don't have to receive it. I'm, ju- I'm just going to go there today. I could drive nicer cars. I could have a bigger house. I could do better vacations. I could do all those things. But I, mean, I do have vacations. And I do drive a very, compared to the rest of the world, I drive a very nice car. Don't look down on my RAV4. It's very nice, okay? Thank you very much. But I choose... To be in God's kingdom. And if I'm part of God's kingdom, guess what? I'm going to invest in God's kingdom. I'm not going to tip God. I'm going to sacrifice to God. I'm just, say, I'm just sharing a word. I know for some of you, oh, Pastor Tom, I'm just sharing a word. Because what happens when I, when, I, when I give sacrificially, it reminds me it's not about my kingdom. It's about God's kingdom. It's about building his church. Take that word. Don't take that word. It's up to you. The power of God's kingdom is for the, adva- for the purpose of advancing God's kingdom. Don't forget that important truth. The last truth I share today about the power in prayer is this. Prayer works in our weakness. 
And you need to grab a hold of this truth. Because there's times in life, if you're not there yet, you will be, where you feel very weak. You feel like your strength is gone. Maybe spiritually, maybe physically, maybe emotionally, whatever it might be. You feel like, do I have another day in me? Do I have another week in me? Do I have enough money in my checking account to buy groceries this week? Do I have enough to pay my mortgage? Whatever it might be, there's times where all of a sudden we get to a place in our life where we can feel, is my marriage going to survive? Are my children going to love Jesus? Are my children going to continue to follow Jesus? And you get to this place where you start to give up hope, you start to, and you start to feel weak. And in those times of weakness, you need to understand that there is power in prayer when we put our prayers to Jesus. Because he has authority. According to Scripture, the Apostle Paul struggled with some type of affliction. Many believed that it was his eyesight that was failing, his poor eyesight. We don't know for sure. We do know this, that Paul prayed. God, remove this from me. He prayed several times. And I want you to listen to what God stated back to Paul during that time. Because Paul did many miracles. God answered many of Paul's prayers. This one he did not. And he says to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. This was a turning point. I really believe this was a turning point for Paul's life because he had to discover God's power was everything. It had nothing to do about him. It had everything to do about God. In fact, God's power worked more effectively through his weakness couple of verses later, Paul writes, when I am weak, then I am strong. He understood. See, we must have greater faith in God and less faith in ourselves. It's a reminder for us not to depend on our own strength. Depend on God's strength. That's why prayer is so important. We're making a relationship with God. We're connecting to a power source. And it's not like, no, it's a relationship. When you have a relationship with the almighty King of Kings... There's just naturally going to have some things happening in your life. But you got to learn to surrender. you got to learn to trust. Not in yourself, but in Him. Throughout my life, I've discovered God's agenda is always greater than my agenda. God's agenda is always, I always think my agenda is all that and a bag of chips. Guess what? God's agenda is much greater. It's learning to let go of my agenda and trusting His agenda for my life. Throughout the Bible, we see God using weakness for his greatness. In fact, he loved to do it. Why did he love to do it? Because he wanted to show if you were in relationship with me, even no matter how we talked about the men's, men's uh, uh, breakfast, <laughs> My, all of a sudden, what's the guy's name I talk about men's breakfast? The judge. Come on. Gideon, thank you guys. That's why we need to work together. Iron sharpens iron. Gideon Gideon was the least of his family. He was the least of of the clan of Manasseh. He was the least. Who am I? What did God tell, what did the angel tell Gideon? You are a mighty warrior. Gideon had to have the faith to believe in it. It's in the weakest moments of our life we find our greatest strength sometimes. It was in the weakest moment of Jesus' life. 
Do you remember the, what, do you remember the prayer that Jesus shared at the Garden of Gethsemane? Do you remember the prayer before he was about ready to be betrayed, before he went to the cross? He prayed a real prayer. Not that he didn't always pray real prayers, but this one was something we need to grab a hold of. Not my will, but your will be done. He's praying to his heavenly Father, not my will. If it is my will, I don't want to do this, Lord. But Lord, your will be done. And it was in that weakest moment of Jesus' life, as he was taking his last breath, that the power of God was released with the greatest impact. Opening the pathway to heaven for us to have eternal life with God. When he said those words, it is finished, something happened. The veil in the temple tore from top to bottom. There was no more separation between man and God. All of a sudden, at that point, something powerful happened. And it was probably in the weakest moment of Jesus' life, physically, that God did his greatest power through him. As disciples of Jesus, let's pray for God's kingdom to be advanced, for his will to be accomplished. When our prayers align with God's will, great things happen. Amen. Lord Jesus. We thank you for your word today. Your word is powerful. It is effective. And it changes our lives. We thank you, God, that you're going to do great things in and through our lives. And I pray today for each person here today that, God, they will not cower to fear, but, God, they will stand up in faith to believe, Lord God, that all things are possible. That, Lord God, anything that we might face is not impossible. For those in this place right now struggling with sickness, God, I pray that just a new faith would arise. That, Lord God, not just for faith, but trust in you. That, Lord God, they would put your, their trust in you and their faith in you. For those who are struggling with maybe just discouragement or depression, God, I pray they put their faith in you. For those, Lord God, that are just struggling with not understanding. Their, their, their thoughts, their beliefs don't align, Lord God, even with maybe with your word. And they're struggling with your, your word right now. And it's just like, oh. God, I pray a greater sense of your anointing and power on their life today. God, I pray for a greater faith in each and every one of us today. So that, Lord God, we can obey and do your will. You know, I just feel this today. I'm, really, I'm just going to do something. For those who are struggling with sickness or illness, and we're, I got the communion cup, and I want everybody, you can open up your eyes right now. But I just feel like God wants to do something here. I, I just sense it. I just want to obey. And the communion cups, if you have them, if you're at home, we encourage you to grab the bread and whatever juice you might have. Um, the communion comes on. There's a bottom tab that opens the bread up. There's a top tab that opens the, the cup up. So just open the bottom up first. Take out the bread, which represents the body of Christ. A lot of times I'll share the scripture that about his body being broken for you and for me. And you need to understand his body was broken before he went to the cross. Um, he was bruised. He was beaten. He had a spear put into his side. He had thorns put on his head 
He was ridiculed. He was mocked. He didn't have to go through any of that, but he went through all of it for you and for me. Because he wanted us to find victory. Victory over our sins through Jesus Christ. Victory over our sickness through Jesus Christ. Victory over our depression through Jesus Christ. You understand where I'm going here. He wanted to access his power, greater power than we could ever have in ourselves. And so if you have faith today, and you're struggling with illness or sickness, because we've had a lot of sickness going around, and you have struggled with illness or sickness, or you're struggling with a bad sciatic, your back, shoulder, I want you just to stand up right now in faith, in Jesus' name. Just stand up. If you're just struggling physically, in whatever capacity, just stand up in faith. If you're struggling with depression, discouragement, hopelessness, stand up in Jesus' name. Just stand up. Just stand up and believe. Stand up. We were at a conference two weeks ago where there were seven people that, had, that were struggling with suicidal thoughts. And the pastor stood up and just said, for those who are struggling, stand up in Jesus' name. We need to pray over you. So if you're, if you're struggling, stand up in Jesus' name. Maybe it's your finances. You don't know how you're going to pay tomorrow's bill, tomorrow's food bill. Tomorrow, stand up in Jesus' name. Stand up. Whatever it might be that you need, not for personal gain, but for the kingdom of God. Because God knows when his vessel is well and working, you can do great things through him. So we're going to take communion today. I'm standing up. I've been struggling with my knee. I want my knee healed in Jesus' name. Pastor Tom, really? Yes, I do. Why, God, why can't God just touch my heel right do I believe or do I not? I'm putting my faith, my own faith to a test. I'm not asking you to do something that I'm not willing to do myself. We need to be a body of believers that say God can do the work of him, can do miracles in our lives. We're going to take this bread that was broken for you and for me. He wanted us to step in to a relationship with him greater than ever before and to have faith that Jesus could do all things. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We hold the bread that represents your body that was broken for you and for me not to live a ordinary, mundane life, but to live a life that is overcoming, that a life that overcomes sin, sickness, disease, hurts, pains, depression, discouragement. It's a life, Lord God, that we find only in you. So today, today, God, we take this bread and I pray, Lord God, for healing in Jesus' name. I pray for healing over depression, discouragement, suicidal thoughts, for leg pain, for back pain, for shoulder pain, for whatever pain that is out there. I don't know, but you do, Lord. I pray for those on financial need, God, I pray for provision in Jesus' name. You broke the bread and you fed the 5,000. I pray that you'd break the bread over their lives in Jesus' name. Let them see your work in mighty ways. Today we take this bread, Lord God, in remembrance of you. Will you take with me?
open up the top of the cup. Everybody stand with me today. The cup has juice inside of it, and it represents the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus was shed on a cross over 2,000 years ago for you and for me. The Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. In the Old Testament, they would there was bloodshed all the time at the temple. They would, they would sacrifice animals to appease God. God said, enough of all that. I'm sending my one and only son to you. So he could die on a cross because guess what? Your death just doesn't mean enough to cover the sins of the world. But when I send my perfect son, my one and only son, and he dies on the cross. When that blood starts to flow, that blood represents, guess what? The penalty paid for your sins. Once and for all, past, present, future, your sins are under the blood of Jesus Christ. So something that we could not do in our own strength, God sent his son to do for us. Something that we were incapable to do, God said, I will do it for you. That's the kind of God we serve. We serve a God that's not untouchable. We serve a God that loves us, that's touchable, and he wants you to have a relationship with you. So, Lord, we take this cup today. And we remember you. And we thank you for your death, for your resurrection, for your power. Let your power, Lord God, be more seen in our lives than ever before. Let our faith, Lord God, arise greater than ever before. Lord, we surrender our lives to you. In the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, please take the cup. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.